Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. There's guys that have explosive qualities, and they, they create explosive plays, but I'm concerned about the sustainability of how their explosive plays are created and if that's going to carry over. I think a guy who is going to have carryover, Brian Thomas. I, I think he's somebody who works in the slot, works outside, big high weight speed guy, great ball skills down the field, but because he's inside-outside guy and, he, and he's worked some quick hitting routes as well you see a little bit more than just okay run on the vertical plane extended play or go up and make a catch kyle krabs there host of locked on dolphins and locked on nfl scouting as we get ready for the nfl combine coming up next week he's talking about brian thomas jr there oh man oh man I'm. I, I think <laughs> I'm much more of a Troy Franklin guy. I don't want to say much more. Like it's like yeah. a, it's a clear cut. But like I think I'd rather have Troy Franklin. But honestly, either one I'd be happy with. I think both add a skill set the Bills don't have, which is elite what's, speed. What's uh, the difference between the two? The, for me, I think Franklin does more damage against both man and zone coverage. Where I think okay. Thomas is a bit more reliant on kind of his physical traits. I also don't love his. Is he's not great in jump ball situations. Mm-hmm. And to be fair, I like Jaden Daniels better as a quarterback, and I liked LSU's offense better. Bo Nix got the ball to Franklin more than enough. No yeah. problem there. But I think I'm just I, – I, I, Franklin's faster. Well, so what you're saying there is you think that maybe Daniels was more part of the reason why Thomas stood out than Bo – like Bo Nix wasn't the Bo reason. Nix, Bo Nix was very, very good. Do not give me, I'm, like, I'm not saying with a better quarterback it would have been even better. Right, it's but, just for me, like I like what Franklin was able to do. I like his physical traits more too. Mm-hmm. They're both around six two, six three. Yep. I think Thomas is a bit taller, closer to six four, but Franklin's likely faster. That's something I've talked about aggressively whenever I'm on air, which is something the Bills are missing on offense, which is flat out speed at the wide receiver position. Yeah. And I haven't totally just like compared either of them yet. Because I'm kind of like waiting to see how the combine goes. Yeah. If I'm being perfectly honest, because a lot of it, like now you are waiting for like their official measurements. What do they come in at the combine, which is likely what they're going to want to play at. And a big part of it, too, for me is like, I want to see who is the faster one. I, it likely is Franklin. Mm-hmm. Very likely is Franklin. But if he only runs like a 4 4 5, a part of me will sit there and go, all right, I probably want Thomas now. Yeah. Because Thomas will probably run about that, too. And he's a bit taller. He's a big play threat. So he kind of does replace what you had in Gabe Davis, which is just go straight, run fast, and catch a touchdown. <laughs> right, yeah. But he also will bring in more routes. His route tree is a bit more expansive. Franklin's is as well. I'm more saying to Gabe Davis. Yeah. But I think with Franklin, I just 
I want them to hit speed so fast, so bad. Like, right, because hits, because I th- they have not replaced John Brown and they have ignored the position so much that like their fast guys they brought in were Trent Sherfield and Deontay Hardy, who could get, who could not get on the field. And then last year was I- Isaiah McKenzie, who also really couldn't get on the field because he kept dropping passes. Right. Yeah. McKenzie was more so the fact that I don't know if the Bills knew how to use McKenzie last year. They wanted him to be a traditional slot receiver, and that was just never what he was. Just never nope. what he was. And I just think too, like with, like like you said, the, with the neglect at the position, it's Diggs could be your speed guy for the first couple of years he was here. And I'm not saying Diggs is getting old and he's slowing down, whatever. But one, he is getting older, and two, teams are figuring yeah. teams are figuring out your your game plan. It's well, they have Diggs and they have Diggs, and that's it. <laughs> and that's it. And, and 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 to go along with the point too of like. You know, I'm talking about you know stretching the field and going deep. Yep. There's also something too, and, and I brought it up when we were talking a little bit about, uh, about running game and, and stuff like that. You add that speed element, you can do now a lot what Miami does, but you're a better built team in the regular season, getting better built for the playoffs. You can do what they do, which is just dump the ball off and let those guys fly. I mean, like that's a lot of times what we're seeing from like Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. Not saying they never go deep. But a lot of their big plays, a lot of what like really makes them special is that they can just take any pass that Tua throws them if it's on the money and it can be turned into a big play. That just does not exist with the Bills' offense as it was currently constructed the last few years. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't. And that, to me, is maybe why I want them so badly to go a certain route with wide receiver, mainly Brian Thomas and Troy Franklin, and why I'm okay with them not moving up to go get a Marvin Harrison Jr. Yes, I mean, that would also be just an absurd price. But even Roma Dunze you and trade, Neighbors. You would trade so much to get so any much. of those three. I'm okay because I'm like, yeah, but like guys that I actually really want the Bills to draft, the skill set is available late in the first round, right. late in the second round. It's going to be there. Plus, I can also add in a guy like Roman Wilson if you know he's available in the third Roman round Wilson, or something like that. Roman Wilson, he's a fun guy that I always – wanted the bills to be able to get it in the third round i think second would be a little too early to try to get him i think if you're really really on you know draft wide receivers as much as possible you go wide receiver in the first second and third brian thomas jr in the first or troy franklin or Mm -hmm. maybe ed night mitchell's been up been 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 much more in the first round mocks that i've seen as of late second round jalen polk third round roman wilson I wonder if Wilson gets to the third round. You think, realistically, you don't think he might get there. I think his senior bowl did him such. What if? Well, do you think the Bills could trade up in the third round? Like, do you think he'll be in the third round at all? No, I think he's gone in the second. The se- so? His senior bowl performance did him so many favors. Mm-hmm. The guy now I've locked in more to, but if if they do go third round, and even him, I'm not totally convinced will be there. Is Malachi Corley out of Western Kentucky? Ooh, yeah, I've he's, been seeing a lot of people talk about he's him. He's somebody I'm interested to watch at the Combine. I don't think he's ever, he's going to be a flat-out burner, like 4-3-40s, but like low 4-4s. He's got good size, so he's not you're not like drafting a guy that's like 5-8, five, 5-7, five, like just praying that he doesn't get hit. Like he's got good size to him, great yak ability. Like that's we're, – we're back to that conversation again mm-hmm. with the Bills offense of like I desperately want them to have more yak capabilities because of where defenses are at now. I think they have to. Honestly, I think they have to to really get the passing game going to its fullest capabilities before, again, I, I think we'll eventually see another shift where we can you know, go more spread offenses. I don't think it'll take 10 years to get back to it. It'll take probably another two seasons, maybe, not even. 
but they need more yak ability because without it, like it's just their offense just it becomes so difficult to run. Right. And that was always kind of my big problem with Dable as well, is it always felt like it was so difficult to get done. It always felt like it was they had to be perfect every single time. And they were very good at it. Don't get me wrong. They were very good. Well, D- Dable seemed to know how to get the very best out of every single player on the offense. Whereas since Dable has left, you're getting the best out of the best talent. And then the guys that aren't as talented mm-hmm. don't well, play yeah, at their and peak. And that's the thing, too. The talent is not there. I mean, right. you know, when Isaiah McKenzie is your first slot receiver to replace Cole Beasley, like, that's not great. No, and then, and, and, and then when Gabe Davis is the guy that's going to replace John Brown and Emmanuel Sanders, that's not great. And you really right. start to see the cracks in the offense or the foundation that they've built. Yeah, and that's the thing, too, whereas, like, you can look at Dable and say, like, you know, the offenses were great. It's like, yeah, the personnel was not. Like, he made magic out of the stuff he had to work with. Sure, he had Diggs and Allen, but other than that, there really wasn't much going on. Yeah, Cole Beasley you get career years out of, but he was always considered, like, a solid slot guy, nothing crazy. Brown was considered, like, a second or third option and, and you're getting career years out of cole beasley towards the end of his career and john brown and john brown i mean so, that, was, that was a thing too like when when he first broke out Allen broke out yep that was the thing that everyone was talking about i was like he's getting career years out of everybody yeah john and, brown cole beasley stefan Diggs shows up and goes from like you hope maybe a thousand yard receiver every year to like no no he's gonna be like 13 1400 yards most years right and that's where i'm looking at you know that's how good dable was as a coordinator mm-hmm. and it's nothing against you know, Ken Dorsey or Joe Brady. I mean, Joe Brady hasn't really had a chance to do that yet to, to show what he can actually mm-hmm. do. But that's where you're really seeing that the Bills offense, while it was good, it was never good. Like outside of it was it, for if me, there were issues, it wasn't good. That's, yeah, for me, that's it was always it, it was just it was way too reliant on Allen being near perfect. It was way too reliant on Diggs being a true top five receiver in football. I mean, that's why I was also excited that they had a run game because they finally had a run game that I thought, like, when you need to run, oh, they can do it. Like, for years it always yeah. felt like they couldn't. It was just it was too reliant on Allen being a superhero. And that's, again, like getting yak ability, getting good coordinators again. Like, that. yes, it was good last year, but everyone who watched it, even, you know, national guys like Dan Orlovsky is looking at the film going, it's it's so easy to figure out. Right. It's just Allen being a wizard. It's him being the freakiest athlete on the offensive side of the ball we've maybe ever seen. That's not sustainable no. at all. And, and and along with that, you can kind of see, like looking at those offenses compared to now, you can kind of see why I, I wouldn't say they ignored drafting at the offensive position, but they kind of like put wide receiver and all that stuff on the back burner. For all those years. Mm-hmm. It was because, hey, it's working out the way it is. Like, let's just, you know, keep it going. They went like, running back way more often. Right. and Because that, that was the one thing that rounds. wasn't working was running back. Mm-hmm. And that's, like, the more I look at it now is, like, that's why I'm realizing, like, and maybe I'm late to the party here, like, realizing this. But, like, that's kind of why I'm realizing, like, wide receiver was never really a, a priority because you thought you had a great wide receiver. And then Dable leaves and you still are good, but it's definitely not as good i think a lot of it just it it comes down to what i've talked about a lot the last few weeks which is just how many hall of famers how many all pros do you see on this bills roster looking honestly it's one guy maybe two josh allen's a clear cut he's going to be in the hall of fame Diggs has a really good argument and he's an all pro but when he had a down year they had to go to the run game just to win games 
their defense figured it out with a lot of in, key injuries. But even then, Matt Milano's an all-pro guy. Okay, mm-hmm. that works. But he gets hurt. Terrell Bernard, I thought, should have been at least a pro bowler. Ed Oliver, he was a pro bowler, should have been an all-pro. But then if we're going there, it just becomes they're not as talented as maybe it was perceived. And it also shows how important coordinators are. Look at Philadelphia this year. They lose right. Shane Steichen. Their offense was never correct. According to a report, they lose their security guy on the sidelines and Nick Sirianni falls apart. Did you see that? That was wild. That, where I, I don't, Everything I don't about the Eagles at the end of the year was just weird. I don't know who came out with that report, but that, that – what was his name? He had a really funny name that everyone called him, the, the security guy. Uh, big, big something. They all called him. He, had, he was a big dude with glasses and like a hat on. He always had a hat on and everything. But he got removed from the sidelines, and then the Eagles kind of fell apart because he was part of the reason why he, he, Nick Sirianni was kept in check. Like mm-hmm. he kept Nick Sirianni's emotions in check. And it's like you're an NFL coach. Like what? What are we doing? <laughs> it was Dom. Big Dom, yeah, that's what it Dom. was. Big Dom, they called him. I, I don't know. I well, just think that's, like every, that's everything about funny. them was just broken, and a lot of it yeah. was they lost their coordinator. I think the Bills, though, like I've talked about them replacing John Brown. I mean, they still are trying to do that. They're also still trying to replace Brian Dable. Yeah, they thought they had an immediate hire in Ken Dorsey, right in house. It didn't work. I think with Brady. I mean, I remember when he was hired as quarterback coach. I was through through the, through the, through the roof. I was yeah. so excited because I thought. Carolina did him dirty. You gave him no mm-hmm. talent, and they were pissed that he ran the offense he wanted to, which was throw a lot. Right. Like that's why I'm also not really worried that he's going to become like too reliant on the run, like where they become like Allen throws the ball 20 times a game and that's it, and they run the ball 30. I don't think it's going to happen. I like though that in situations like the Dallas game is is a perfect example. They could run the ball, and they didn't get away from it when they maybe thought, all right, now, now let's go to the passing game. No, it was like. Why they're not stopping us? Let's just keep running it. And you also saw in games like Philadelphia, where even in the pouring rain, the passing game is working. Cool, we're going to keep throwing it. We're going to keep going. Even it's working, and it hasn't really worked a ton this year, but it's working now. Mm-hmm. I also see him as somebody that's. It, I I'm excited to see what he can do with guys like Dalton Kincaid, but also rookies that they're going to bring in this year. Like that's also why I'm excited for wide receiver to really be. I think on a lot of people's minds, just because I think. Brady has proven, at least at the college level and in the little time he has been the Bills offense coordinators, that he can figure out how to use these guys to the best of their ability, even if it's not a ton, like Trent Shurfield and Deontay Hardy. What's also interesting is the parallels between Dable and Brady. Like you look at you look at their coaching histories, and obviously Dable's is a lot longer than Brady's is because he's older. But let's not act like Brian Dable was this vaunted hire. Right. Brian Dable, he was an OC with the Browns for a couple years, with the Dolphins for one, and the Chiefs for one. And with the Browns, it wasn't great. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's Cleveland in twenty Cleveland. in two thousand nine and twenty ten. Then you go to Miami in twenty eleven, and it was okay. He had, let's see. I mean, twenty twelve, Kansas City went two and fourteen. Yeah, in the twenty eleven Miami team, he was ranked twenty second in yards on offense. Mm-hmm. Uh, twenty. Don't know. He's ranked pretty high in. Rushing. I mean, realistically, he revived. No, his that's co- he, he revived his career with Alabama. Right. That's that. That's the point I was getting to. The, the the all of a sudden he goes to Alabama and then boom, the next year he gets hired with the Bills and mm-hmm. is an instant success. Well, maybe not in, instant success, but a year or two into it, it's a drastic difference yeah. than what you saw in in him in the NFL before. Whereas with Brady now, it's kind of a 
kind of the same vein where it's he's one year with LSU, gets immediately hired to Carolina, doesn't work out because they kind of, like you said, do him dirty and don't give him much talent. They were garbage. They're like, hey, what are you doing, man? Like, why didn't you do good enough? I just think too, like, now, I, like I remember when he was first fired, like every like everyone that was talking about it was kind of just like, yeah, like he kind of got a raw deal there, and then like yeah. a year later, it was like almost forgotten about. <laughs> he was there for two years, but like, right. it was like forgotten about when he was fired. Like, and he goes to Buffalo to be the quarterback coach, mm-hmm. but like a year into that, everyone was like, "But what do you do at Carolina?" It's like, do you not remember how bad those teams were? They had <laughs> right. no offensive talent. It was DJ Moore, yeah. And who, like, essentially became the new version of Stephon Diggs if everyone knew, like, man, if he had a quarterback that could throw him the ball, like, he would explode. Yeah. He barely had a quarterback throwing him the ball, but, like, once he became, like, a clear-cut one, he exploded this year. Well, and then, to further the point, is Brady has now kind of got his chance to sit in the backseat and learn a little bit, mm-hmm. whereas with Dable, it was he went from being an offensive coordinator to being a tight ends coach with the Patriots. Which like tells you how far his career had kind of fallen. Right. And then goes to offense coordinator for Alabama, comes to the Bills, does great. Brady, it's a little bit different, goes to college, does great, goes to the NFL, doesn't succeed, becomes an assistant coach, quarterback's coach with the Bills. Mm-hmm. Now he's the offensive coordinator, does good in the little time he had as interim, Yeah, and now has a full offseason to build his offense. So I don't know. It's just interesting to look at the parallels between the two of them as to how they're kind of similar. I think the and, key there for Brady is that he was able to push his resume out there, or at least convince teams enough that he didn't go to a bad situation as like a quarterback coach or anything like that. He went to a situation with Buffalo where it was like, if Ken Dorsey works, he's out in two years. Yeah. And I can hopefully take right over. I'll have kind of sat back, learn a little bit more about calling plays as an office coordinator, the whole thing. And I can slide right in. Instead, it happens a year and a half in to being right. there. And then he's interim. And then he's able to get the full-time job. I'm just, I'm excited I'm not as nervous as I was with Ken Dorsey. No, I don't remember being this over. confident at all with Ken Dorsey. Dorsey, Dorsey, <laughs> no. I was terrified because he had never called plays before. Yeah. And was not a coordinator anywhere up to that point. So for me, it was just terrifying in the sense of, like, I, I understood the hire 100%. He was the quarterback coach. That was kind of always the plan. I got it. But then it was like, once it happened, it was like, okay, here we go. Like, let's see how this works. And, I mean, in 21, he was the passing game coordinator and QB coach. That always kind of felt like it was, like, setting up for Dable to leave. Like, they were kind of stoked that they had Dable another year after 20. And it was like, all right, well, then we got to get ready. So, Dorsey, you become the passing game coordinator. You're going to sit in more, and you're going to be having a more hands-on approach to calling plays, but not effectively be it. I'm interested now, Dorsey goes to Cleveland and is an offense coordinator. Like, I'm interested, like... How that's going to go? I, I, I think so, because, like... I. I don't want to sit here and say that like, I know Dorsey's garbage. I, I, the Bills' offensive numbers really didn't change all that much once Brady took over. I think parts, like we can go back to our conversation earlier, though. The, the, part of the reason was probably because he didn't he had the same stuff to work with. He yeah. just knew how to work it better. Yeah, he, yeah he, he could work a game better. Right. So like, I'm interested now. I mean, like, does his job rest on, like, can he figure out Deshaun Watson? Can he make that work? You right. know, I mean, they have guys like Amari Cooper, David Njoku's amazing, Elijah Moore. Like, they have some good talent. We'll see how quickly Nick Chubb's able to come back this year after a really bad injury earlier in the year mm-hmm. against Pittsburgh. So, like, I mean, he seemingly has talent. And I'm interested to see, like, if he's able to work. I'm not going to get, like, buyer's remorse for firing him. I was somebody that thought that needed to happen when he was fired was kind of weird because, obviously, it was the 13 men on the field and that was a McDermott mistake. Yeah. But, ultimately, like, that was kind of building for much of the year of, like, or much of that part of the year of, like, 
you were kind of surprised he got the job or got to keep the job after 22 and then all that stuff. So like, I'm interested. I, I, I want to see how he can do. Likewise with Brady, I want to see how much his playbook does change compared to Dorsey's. It's, where, you know, Dorsey, it seemed like, ran no short passing routes and it was all long ball and, and there was no one within five, ten yards of, of Allen. Right. Where with Brady, it was much more pushed back. Like, all right, like, everyone's going to be relatively near the quarterback. We're not going to stretch the field too much outside of a few plays here and there. We're going to run the ball more. And and they did a really good job with it. But also, do we continue on the conversation of they want Allen to run less? Yeah. That was the thing at the owners' meetings last year of of uh, McDermott and Bean being very upfront about the fact that they wanted Allen to run less, I, without I think outright saying the words. But then once Dorsey was fired, they leaned into the fact that Allen was like their their tush push guy. Like yeah, that's why he right. had 15 rushing touchdowns. Yeah, and they seemingly were okay with him taking off and running when he did. So it's it's I, I I'm just interested because the last two seasons. It has been this feeling of like we're gonna bring Allen in a little bit more. He's gonna be a, maybe a more stoic pocket, pocket passer, only run when he has to. And with Brady, it felt more like we we're leaning towards the actual offense that NFL teams are leaning towards. And the biggest problem was they didn't have the personnel really to run it. And their one big guy, Diggs, compared to Travis Kelsey of Kansas City, did not show up in the big games. Really disappeared. Where Kelsey, as the year went on, and really by the end of the year, into the playoffs, had really shown up to the point where, I mean, he had more catches in the playoffs than Dawson Knox had all year for the Bills. <laughs> right. And so I think that's that's what they were missing is just a few more personnel changes here and there, and they'd have been just fine. And even then, they still gave Kansas City, outside of San Francisco, the best game they had in the playoffs this year. It's also interesting, too, because I was just looking at, you know, when we got to talking about Ken Dorsey, I was just looking at the Browns roster there, and the Browns roster is just... It's weird. It's weird. Because you both you, are kind of nervous about them, but also are just like, man, they're in a weird, tough spot. Right. Like, you, you subtract Nick Chubb, obviously, because of that bad injury, and see what he can do this year, if if anything. And you have Jerome Ford, who was all right in the time he needed to be there. You have David Njoku, who was fantastic this season. Oh, man, once Joe Flacco went in. Like, right. Just, they, they really found something. But then him. you have pretty much nothing in the wide receiver room. You have Elijah Moore and Donovan Peoples-Jones and Amari Cooper. Mm-hmm. That's it. And Marquise Goodwin. Like, I, I Marquise just, Goodwin is still in the league. Wow. Yeah, right. But that's talked, where I talked about him earlier today. Yeah, right. And that's But that's where I'm looking at, at like, how is Ken Dorsey going to go about this? Like, is this going to be another, like, one and done or, like, one and a half and done for him? Because the Browns don't have a first-round pick. And I just wonder, like, how are they going to work it in terms of getting another wide receiver? Because they don't really have the talent that's needed to keep up with the rest of the AFC. And now Dorsey is a big tight ends guy. We've noticed that with you well, know, the way he went that's kind of why Kincaid was also the pick last year. Right. But they have a great tight end in David Njoku. So you got to figure that's a positive there for him at least. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm just it, – it's interesting. I'm kind of curious to see. Personally, I think even though the Browns aren't going to change that much in terms of losing players mm-hmm. – I don't think they're going to get much better. If not, they're going to get worse. Yeah, I, I think they were eleven and six this year. So I definitely, don't know. definitely going to be. They're they're definitely one of the teams in the AFC that's worth keeping an eye on. Going to take a quick time out here. If you want to join the show, eight zero three zero five fifty is the number. Going to transition a little bit over to the Sabers as they play Columbus later tonight. We'll dive kind of into how that season's been going and kind of what we expect here 
especially with the trade deadline looming ever-present with that team. Zach Jones, Josh Mitt, hanging out with you for another half hour. You listen to the Extra Point Show, and this is WGR. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. They do now with Suzuki and Caulfield, and it's fast outside the line. Alex Tuck's got a chance at a breakaway. Alex Tuck settles it down to the net, scores! What a goal by Alex Tuck, a shorthanded marker, and the Sabres have taken a 3-2 lead in Montreal. Alex Tuck's game winner from Tuesday, or what was that? Was that Wednesday? Wednesday. Dude, I thought yesterday was Wednesday. Look at this here. Look at Jeremy's day of the week clock. Use this. I thought yesterday was Wednesday, too. I started the nightcap. I'm like, all right, happy Wednesday. And I'm like, wait a second. It's not Wednesday. It is Thursday. (laughs) Now it's Friday. They did beat Montreal. Did not play all that great, but do get the 3-2 win over the Canadians. Canadians also having a really tough season as well. But UPL, what a bounce back game from his game against Anaheim where he really was rough. But hey. 14 shots against, four goals against, but then he takes that and has 29 saves on 31 shots against, and he had two saves. I mean, he has been one of, like, three bright spots for the Sabres this year. Who are the other two? Paterka? And Casey. Middle stats. Okay, yeah, that's fair. That's a good one. Um, I'd even say Eric Johnson. Wait. Wait. No, no, no. Brian Johnson. My bad, my bad, my bad. I got Whoa, concerned. I was about to jump through this glass. <laughs> I got concerned. I was, I was like, I was fault. like, I want Eric Johnson to be a healthy scratch. I wish I there was l- a camera on my face to see the reaction that you just gave me. I can't I was, believe, oh. I'm mad at myself for saying that. I'm so sorry. No, you're good. Ryan Johnson is Ryan a, Johnson. He's an acceptable answer. I'd put him as an honorable mention. Uh, yeah, that's, honorable that's mention. acceptable. Because I, I, I honestly was one of on the train of trade Ryan Johnson because I didn't think he was going to sign that's here. That's right. Yeah. And now that he's here, it's hey, he's. An integral piece yeah. of your defense oh, oh, going yeah. forward, at least. It does feel like it. Um, but, By the way, Dan Dunleavy on the call there, oh, well, in, ca- in case people did not know that. Okay. All right. Thank you. But all right. Um, so one thing that I wanted to get into with these lovely, our lovely Buffalo Sabres is the trade deadline. The trade deadline is coming in. And speaking on one, Eric Johnson, not Ryan, Eric Johnson. So... Three potential landing spots for him. From teams, teams want him. That's a choice. Yes, that's a choice. Uh, Is this kind of like an Eric Stahl when kind of when he was with well, the Sabers? I I I don't really know like the validity of like not not validity like it's it's from Michael Aguello of the Hockey News, and it's basically that there were some scouts in the building recently, and one of them being Toronto. So mm-hmm. that's okay. okay. Interesting. Yep. 
Um, Toronto scouts have been at three of the last four Sabres games in Buffalo. Um, if they were to make a trade with the Sabres for Eric Johnson, they'd have to, the Sabres would have to retain salary, but that's not that big of a deal because mm-hmm. Johnson's on a one-year deal. It's going to be done by July 1st anyway. Um, but I just I don't know. I, I, I don't know what you get for Eric Johnson. Future considerations. Probably. Uh, by the way, our own Paul Hamilton, uh, who is in Columbus for tonight's game, did say that at least for the morning skate today, Eric Johnson is the only player not skating. So hmm. maybe I'm going to get my <laughs> wish. Hmm. <laughs> um, in I, I just I don't know. In this same article, they also list Colorado and Vegas as other landing spots. Um, Vegas scouts have been a regular presence at Key Bank Center in February, with a chance as repeat cup champions they mm-hmm. might be looking to blow, bolster their blue line that's probably another one uh, actually no with all their ltir you probably don't have to um retain salary on that so mm-hmm. but honestly in this case retaining salary is probably better because you'll get more in return where in yeah. other trades retaining salary is kind of a pain because then it's you know it's on your books forever but it's only a one-year deal so it's not mm-hmm. that big of a deal and then colorado obviously because eric johnson just came from colorado the avalanche might want him back for the same reason as Toronto and Vegas because if Johnson gets traded, it's not going to be. It's not going to be. It's not going to be like move. That's yeah. Gonna set it's not going to be like he's going to step into their top four. He's going to be like top six or the seventh guy for if someone gets hurt. Yeah, which is honestly at this point is what he he should be in Buffalo. There was a couple games there where he didn't play, and I thought it finally we turned the corner of okay, you know he's going to take the backseat in his kind of veteran role where he's playing every once in a while, but he's really more so there just to be a, a guy in the locker room, a, a leadership voice. Yep. But then it immediately went back to what it was before. And and that's where my issue was with with the defensive setups at least is I just don't think he should have been this part of this big of the piece of the lineup given the way he started out the season. Now if it got better as the year went on then it's different, but like when he came in it was yeah, he's gonna be a part a big part of the blue line. And it, well, but then say, as it went on, is... it's like it didn't get any better. So why are you still playing it? Why are you making this happen night in and night out and it's not getting any better? And that, and that's where I'm just – I'm very, very frustrated by the construction of this year's roster where, like, again, we've made jokes about it. But, like, again, like, Jack Quinn got hurt around the time of the draft. Yep. They made no moves to – make sure that they weren't in a bad spot when he came back. They just kind of were like, no, we'll figure it out. Hopefully we're near playoff spots. When he comes back, we're fine. With defense, they knew they needed to get better. And they add a, how old is he, 35 when he signed? 35-year-old Eric Johnson. He's 36 now. 36 now. And a guy in Connor Clifton who was riding the bench for Boston near the end of the season and basically didn't play in the playoffs. So you really weren't getting playoff experience there. Let's be serious. And then they brought back everyone else. They brought back Tyson Jost. They brought back Kyle Oposo. They brought back Zemgus Gergensons. And it's just, again, like, these were not pieces to, like, augment an already good team. They were brought mm-hmm. in as pieces to be serious contributing pieces to what a team was making it seem to be believed was a team that was going to start their cup runs where all of a sudden it's like, hey, we're going to the playoffs next year, and now like the cup window is open. I think Adams outright said that the cup window was open. Yes. And so, like, I, at the time we were doing that show on that Saturday, you were excited just because, you know, 
they were adding defensemen, and there was kind of the feeling of like, all right, former number one overall pick, that's cool. Analytics liked Connor Clifton, so I understand that one. But for me, it was always just like a, that's that's all we're doing, that's it. And mm-hmm. then and then just kind of the idea of them bringing back Oposo and Gergensen's kind of fell flat for me immediately because it was like one of them I'm fine with, one of them I always had, yeah. I, I was always fine with because it's like you need that guy that's going to be, you know. Do do the dirty work, right? You know, exactly. on the fourth line, I'm here to block shots. I'm gonna have a ton of welts by like December, and I'm only gonna get more, <laughs> right? And you know, I'll be that guy. Like that's fine. But you've had captains building in the wings for the last few years, so it felt like it was just gonna be the natural transition to someone like Erasmus Dahlin, and yeah, it just even didn't. Even if Kyle Posta stuck around, it was gonna be, hey, he's gonna take a back seat. He's gonna go to an A, or he's not gonna be a captain at all. Yeah, and he's just gonna be a leader because that's the thing. You, just because you're not a captain doesn't mean you can't be a leader. Like yeah. that was always my point with Ocposo is like I I wanted him here in the leadership role, mm-hmm. but I didn't want him as captain necessarily because now next year if he doesn't come back, then you have to do a hard switch to a new captain, and you probably don't have Ocposo on your team. Which, in terms of a leadership role, I don't know if it matters that much at all anymore at that point. I'm at, I'm at but, a point, man, with with the leadership. It, it, to me, it's it's just a buzzword. Well, and it, it, I wonder how much of it stems to putting Jack as captain not working, like blowing up in their face, essentially. Yeah. Because that, I think it kind of all stems back to that. Because since then, Ocposo has basically been their captain. Yeah. Since, since Jack left, he has been the captain. Yep. But when he was around, when Eichel was here and he was the captain, it kind of more so felt like it was Ocposo and it was other guys in the room. Yeah. And Jack was just kind of there. Whereas... Now it's like, do they have cold feet of, we don't want to make the same mistake. We don't want to make a young guy captain again and have it blow up in our face. I think a lot of it was they were just, they were truly, completely convinced. I think organization organization top to bottom was completely convinced they were going to make the playoffs with the same group. Yeah. That the eight-game losing streak early in the year was a fluke. They were dealing with a pretty big injury to Matias Samuelson. They did not respond well to it. They had a really good run to try to make the playoffs. They ended the season very well. They saw what they had in Levi in what seven games, six mm-hmm. games that he played. They saw a lot in Levi. In they seven saw a games. lot in what they saw. They saw a lot in the games that they got from him, and they were convinced this group was going to do it. And that's why I think now they've pivoted. And I'm, I'm going to say it's PR. I don't mean it really like that, but just whenever you hear now Granado and Adams talk, they do talk about this team still learning because I think that's the only way they know where to go now. Because to them, it is stunning that this team regressed as badly, badly as it did. I think that's if there was a fly on the wall at KeyBank Center, that's the message. Or that that would be the feeling is stunned silence that this group really didn't take a next step forward. They took three or four steps back, almost all of them. Well, and also, too, it's, I, I don't even know if it's just the coaches and the, and the GM at this point. Rasmus Dahlin was on uh, the Ray and Dregs podcast the other mm-hmm. day, which is uh, Darren Dreger and I think think Ray Ferraro. Okay. I'm not 100% sure. I have to double check that. Um, but he was on their show and he was talking about, you know, the the youth of the team and and growing with the team and things like that and he said this is a quote from the show, we're a young team and there's a lot of new expectations coming into the team, the way to handle ourselves in the new situations and the way other teams are playing against us. We are more res- we're more respected coming into this year. This it was new challenges for us, and we had to learn them. So it's been a really good learning curve for us. Some new challenges for sure. When he puts I mean, when just, you put it like that, it's different than just saying it's a learning experience. Yeah, but yeah. 
But because, it's kind of saying the same thing. It is, but at the same time, I get what he's saying in the sense of every year before this for him and for oh, well, yeah, Tage yeah, Thompson yeah. and for Dylan Cousins, the Sabres have come in as, oh, well, there's the Buffalo Sabres. Well, we don't have to worry about them. Whereas this year they came in as, hey, that's the Buffalo Sabres. They were one point out of the playoffs last year. They looked great. Tage Thompson had almost 50 goals. A lot, and, of, a lot of people liked him going into it. And yeah. I, and I know players around the NHL really started to like what the Sabres were doing and thought that they were an ascending team. But I, I guess, like, that's where – and that's, that's where I get frustrated when, like, you know, I do hear, like, Kyle Poso was kept for leadership because then I sit here and I go, cool, then he's horribly failed at that. Yeah. Like, like it, it, and I don't mean to sound like that because he's been a great, you know, you know, Buffalo resident. He's been a great citizen the whole thing, mm-hmm. and I get injuries have absolutely derailed his career. But if we're sitting here now in the one year with expectations in the last five, six, yeah, and I mean serious expectations, so maybe even ten, they never looked like a playoff team. They looked like a team that was utterly lost most nights. They've all regressed incredibly to the point now where we're wondering, is Tage Thompson even really a 45-goal scorer? Is he more just like 30-35 on most of his years and last year was a blip? We're now sitting here with a coach who many of us thought was really ascending Mm -hmm. to now I think it's completely warranted of wanting him fired and a GM where many of us, I mean, I remember maybe it was the director of scouting. I cannot remember his name. But it was after they made three first round picks. Jerry Fortin. Crying, talking about Adams and getting people very excited about like just what Adams was bringing, bringing back that credibility to the team. Mm-hmm. To now we're sitting here, I think rightfully wondering, is he even an active GM? Right. And, and, and that also goes back to the whole, you know, don't make moves because you feel like you have to make moves because everyone's all upset. Make moves because they're smart, calculated moves. Don't just go out there and do a trade because it's a trade and you got to do something to change mm-hmm. the team up. Go out there because you think, hey, there's a person out there, there's a player yeah. out there that I can get for a reasonable price mm-hmm. and I'm willing to give this much up to get them because they're going to make my team better next year. Because at this point, it's next year. It's yeah. no longer we're going to get this team better to make a playoff push or we're going to get this team better for the playoffs. Mm-hmm. It's next year. Yeah, we're hoping and praying for next year. Right. And to kind of circle it back to a point I made about Joe Brady and the Bills earlier uh, in the show, you know, they transitioned, they changed to not have a lost season. Yep. The Sabres have almost leaned into the fact that it will be a lost season. And they seemingly accepted that in like December. Yeah. And that's easily the most frustrating part. And that's why I think you have so many fans now. And you can hear it in my voice. I'm not even really getting that upset, like just apathetic. Because yeah. it just, it, you really do have to wonder are they really even trying or are they just happy? to still be in the NHL. I do want to push back on your Tage thing real quick. I do think he's going to go back to form. He had 38 goals two years ago, 47 goals last mm-hmm. year. I think this is the fluke. I don't think Hope that. So. I, I, I just I don't think that last year was a fluke because you saw him do it, basically do it the year before mm-hmm. in the same amount of games. Both yeah. years, last two years, he played 78 games. So I don't know. I think he's going to come back around. I think... Cousins is one that I'm a little worried about, but I think he might come back around too. Quinn obviously looks fine despite the injuries. He's picking up injuries. He had 12 points in 17 games, and Paterka looks like he's rising as well. Mm-hmm. So even if there are guys falling back, I don't think it's all for good. Like, they're never going to go back to the way they were. Yep. 
But there are, there are also guys rising up in their place as well. Yeah. You're listening to the Northtown Automotive Extra Point Show, brought to you by Northtown Automotive. Whatever you're looking for, you'll find it at Northtown. Shop online at NorthtownAuto.com. We'll be back after a quick timeout to wrap up the show and get you over to Sabres Live as we get ready for Sabres at Blue Jackets later tonight at 7, 6 p.m. pregame, both, of course, right here on WGR. You're listening to the Extra Point Show. We'll be right back. Happy Friday, everyone. Quick final segment here as we get you ready for Sabres Live at the top of the 12 o'clock hour. And spring training baseball began yesterday with the Dodgers and the Padres. That's exciting. They're going to get the uh, the actual regular season going later on in March for the two-game Seoul Series in Seoul, South Korea. That should be a blast. What's not a blast, Josh, and, and I'm glad we're going to bring this up here to end the show because it, it's hysterical, but like, just what are we doing here? The see-through uniforms, man. Just what are we doing here? Yeah. It's I have so, so bad. So many questions. I think I'm more upset about the nameplate. Do you see Verlander, oh, how it basically looks like yep. a half circle? It's it looks terrible. so bad. It's so and it's bad. Also, there were two Cleveland Guardians players in a picture together. They were both wearing the same Cleveland Guardians uniform. The sleeves had different trim on them. Mm-hmm. The sleeves, like the end of your sleeve, one had like a solid blue line with a white line in it. The other one had was white with a thin blue line in it. Mm-hmm. It's like, what are we doing? Like, how can you mess up that badly on two of the same jerseys? I think what's like, what's what do you funny do is everyone knew this was going to be a bad idea. And for those who don't know, the MLB is partnered with Nike Generated Fanatics. They did the All-Star uniforms last year. Not good. They also and now we're going into this year, and everyone was like, "It's gonna be bad." And yep. then everyone got to spring training, and Evan brought up the name plates as well. Just like us, essentially, if you have a, a name with more than seven letters, it's gonna be it like now a has to circle. Curve. Yeah, like it's it's so bad. And there's also and now there's, there's see through pants. The, yeah, that the see through pants are stunning, terrifying. Like and and it's also there is a Twitter page dedicated to people with. Issues with fanatics when they get an order, like you tweet in your pictures and they post them, and you'll have a jersey that's missing a nameplate that you paid money for. Which is why everyone you'll have, knew, like they're like it's garbage. They're lazy. They barely try. Yeah. This is going to be a disaster. You'll, and immediately we didn't even we didn't even get a, a year grace period. Nope, we got two weeks, and it was like oh this is a disaster. And this all all the players have been speaking out about it. They hate them. They don't like them. They mm-hmm. they're they're uncomfortable. They're not cool looking. Like everything. Yep. And, oh, by the way, the NHL is going to Fanatics next season. Of course they are. Be like, ready. You talk about failing upwards. <laughs> Fans have paid them for years, yeah. but apparently yep. they're willing to pay a ton of money I to these know, leagues to get their jerseys. I don't remember their CEO's name, but I want to know what he did to be able to get into every single sports league. Have a ton of money and be willing and to pay. Still I, it's got to be what it is. It's, it's, it's mind-boggling because, like I said, you will get an order. You'll order a Sabres jersey, and you'll get a Minnesota Twins jersey. That has happened to someone. I saw it on the Twitter page. It happened to somebody. So just, it's it's just crazy. I don't know how the MLB just kind of said, yeah, this is okay. Also, you're very lucky that Shohei Otani didn't play yesterday because we're going to bully you about it. Marty dead inside, buddy. They, the Dodgers beat the Padres 14-1, to by the way. Well, they had like eight runs in like the first inning or something like that with like one out. I, I yes, know it was eight obnoxious. runs in the first inning, six runs in the sixth inning, nothing else in between, just like a baseball game should be. What a time. 
Be sure to tune in next week as WGR covers the NFL Scouting Combine from Lucas Oil Stadium in Indianapolis. That is brought to you by Awaken 180 Weight Loss, fast, sustainable weight loss, then free support for life, awaken180weightloss.com. And by Outlet Liquor, when you need to stock up, it's the place to buy a case. What's your outlet? Coming up next, Sabres Live. After a quick timeout, you're listening to WGR. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.